Have you ever walked past a dumpster and been like, yo, I wonder what's in that dumpster? I can put on these glasses. Let's start eating that trash can. You're listening to the True Crime Dumpster podcast with hosts Amy and... And I'm Kevin. And we are... Look, we're coming back at you again. Hopefully, I can get this edited and put out very soon with part two of Ronald Gene Simmons. For this episode, I used additional sources from last episode and went on a deep dive with the Clark County Prosecutor's website, Murderpedia again, the Encyclopedia of Arkansas again, Ronald Gene Simmons Wikipedia again. I continued to use Janie Jones's three-parter article from the About You magazine. I also used the Wikipedia page for the uh, Dinosaurs television show. And um, you'll see a, a, a beer website. Mm. Something snapped in Ronald Gene Simmons in 1987 from the UPI archives. Some more Ronald Gene Simmons websites, as well as the Wikipedia page of Varner, Arkansas, which will come into play later. So lots more sources, lots more deep dives into a pretty terrible person. I I was going to say the I was going to say pretty terrible. He's probably the worst. He is definitely up there. Yeah, he's really bad. So without much further ado, should we get started? Yeah, uh, I guess. If you didn't hear the first one, this oh yeah, is go back be... and listen to the first one. Yeah, there's going to be some content that's kind of gnarly. So, yeah. So in our first episode, we talked a lot about like incest and rape, and we hinted at murder, but we haven't actually gotten to the murder yet. This episode, we're not going to be going into the incest and rape like how we did in the first one, but we'll mention it. Just a trigger warning that it's going to be mentioned as well as lots and lots of murder. So including child murder. We're not going to go into gnarly detail, but there are going to be some details that will upset some listeners. So if I think it's I think you guys can handle it, but I'm not going to go into gnarly detail. I'm going to state the fact I'm not going to describe too much in detail. Okay. Are you ready, Kevin? Let's do it. All right. So we left you last time with Gene quitting his two menial jobs, one at the Sinclair convenience store and one at the Woodline Motor Freight Company. I misspoke last time about the dinosaur family from the 1991 hit television series. Was it a hit? I don't know. Uh, dinosaurs. Trivia question, Kevin. How many seasons was dinosaurs on television for? Probably like nine. Oh, you think it was that much? No, it wasn't. Everybody loved that show. Everybody? Did you watch it when it was on? No. Okay, I did. Uh, it was on for four seasons, ah. which is three seasons longer than I thought because <laughs> it was such a weird concept for a show. I kind of want to go back and like watch them all. We watched one episode recently because Sarah made us because we have a terrible two kid coming up and it was a pretty funny episode. What's the baby's name? Our baby's name is Abigail. <laughs> the baby that says not the mama and dinosaurs. God, I don't know. Yeah, I can't remember. I don't want to know. So don't email us about it. So I misspoke last time. 
I said that I thought the dad worked for Sinclair Oil Company, but do you know why I was thinking that? His last name is Sinclair. Like all the dinosaur families are named after the oil and gas companies. Okay. So I'm sure there's like a Chevron or a Mobile or something in there. But yeah, so his last name is Sinclair. So the dinosaur family is the Sinclairs. And he actually works for the We Say So Corporation and he pushes down trees. That's just an aside. I just, you know, I don't like to be wrong about stuff. Well, thanks for clearing that up. <laughs> On top of quitting his jobs by December 18th, 1987, Gene also had his remaining kids at home dig a cesspit in the back of their home, which I mentioned in the last episode. But when I looked more into this, it seems like the cesspit could have been dug closer to like months or weeks before the killings. So it was just a mass grave. Yes, but he may have not meant it to be a mass grave. Sources vary on this because I think it's much more dramatic and terrible if you say it happened days before because it seems very intentional that it was a mass grave. I mean, regardless, it's still fucked up. But nonetheless, it was meant to be a third family outhouse because they just kept filling their poop in all of these cesspits in their backyard. So, yeah. like I said, regardless if it was dug with sinister intentions or not... It definitely became convenient for him later on. Okay. Gene was angry at everyone and wanted revenge, most recently with Kathy Kendrick, the 24-year-old receptionist at Woodline Motor Freight Company that had reported his unwanted advances and persuasions, and his female supervisor at the same company, Joyce Butts, who had written him up for being incompetent and being a lecherous creep. Also, Gene was still schlubbing around being sad about his daughter, Sheila, being off and married and happy without him. Barf. Yeah, bummer. In a letter he wrote to Sheila, which they found after the deaths, the police did, he told her, you have destroyed me and you have destroyed my trust in you. I will see you in hell. <laughs> so ridiculous. Gene's uh. son, Gene Jr., and his wife... They were kind of going through a rough patch in their marriage. They actually had moved to San Antonio, Texas to start their family. And so they were kind of in the process of reconciling. So he decided to take his daughter, Barbara, who was three at the time, and come visit Gene Sr. and his mother, Becky, in... They're just outside of Dover. Right. By the time that shit started to go down on December 22nd, 1987, he was already there with his three-year-old daughter at the Mockingbird Hill outhouse. farm, outhouse, trailer, whatever you want to call it. Shit crater. Manor. He was planning on staying and hanging out with his family for a few days before and after Christmas. He also knew that all of his brothers and sisters would be showing up around Christmas time as well, so it was a chance to see his whole family with his daughter. And give his marriage maybe a little bit of a break during this time. On December 22nd, 1987, Gene Sr. saw his four youngest, Loretta, Eddie, Marianne, and Rebecca Lynn, off to school while his wife and oldest son were still sleeping. Although he already owned three other guns, on this day he decided to go to Walmart, like we said in the last episode, 
and he bought a 22 caliber revolver and returned home. The house on Mockingbird Hill was festive. There's actually pictures that you can see online of him in his home, I think about to be arrested or something. And you can see these like lit up garlands around the house. And I believe there is a Christmas tree with presents under it. And, you know, there's lights everywhere. It's a, it's, it's a festive scene. It, it almost makes it not look as huge of a dump as it actually was. It's just like it makes it so much more brutal, too. You know, I know. Gene plugged in the Christmas lights, turned on the television set, and then with a crowbar in one hand and his new twenty two caliber pistol in the other, he started on his kill list. Now, some sources say that it was a hammer, not a crowbar, and most sources say that it was a blunt object. Regardless, he had some type of weapon in the twenty two revolver ready to go. This is also, so uh, the killing, because there were so many people and he really, really, you'll see that he just doesn't talk about it. A lot of this is pieced together by crime scene investigators and police. Most sources believe that Becky, his wife, was the first victim. Many sources also say that Gene Jr. may have been the first victim, that Becky may have actually heard him coming, but... I found the most credible sources to say that Becky was the first victim. He reportedly beat and shot his wife. Then he went on to his son Gene Jr.'s room and hit him on the head and shoulders with a blunt object. Probably knowing he couldn't fight off his son, Gene shot Gene Jr. once in the chest and four times in the head and face. Then Gene moved on to number three on his kill list, his helpless three-year-old granddaughter who he strangled to death. (sighs) This isn't, uh, it's just too much. How can you strangle a three-year-old child, let alone your granddaughter to death? Yeah. And then according to a very uncomfortable Google search, I wanted to make sure it, I mean, you have to strangle a child for two to three minutes for it to stick. You know what I mean? Otherwise, they can cast, they can gasp for breath if you do it for any less time. So I'm glad that you searched that. On I know. Your... I really yeah, hope well that. Well done. Yeah. Well, let's just not get in any trouble. Okay. No, no watch lists. <laughs> Too late. Then he sat down to have a beer. I feel like it was a Budweiser. What do you think it was? I don't know. Yeah. It could be a Miller Lite. Miller High Life or Miller Light? No, he's not a light guy. He was a Miller High Life, probably. Uh, According to Drink This, Not That website, the most popular cheap beer in Arkansas is Michelob Ultra. But that's today. I don't think I could see him doing a Michelob Ultra. But I see a Budweiser or a Miller in his hand. Anyhow, after his beer, Gene dumped the bodies in that previously dug cesspit in the backyard It was around this time that the school bus came rolling in with his four youngest children in tow. I'm sure they were all excited because it was the last day of school before the Christmas break. And they were probably all excited about their presents and being home with their family. And when they arrived home, their father told them that he had a present for each of them. But he had to give them each one at a time. Loretta, 17, was the first to get her present, but there was no gift. Instead, 
He drowned her by holding her head underwater in a rain barrel. The rest of the three other children eagerly awaited their surprise Christmas present inside the trailer home. And one by one, Ronald Gene Simmons brought his remaining children, Eddie, 14, Marianne, 11, and Becky, 8, out back, murdering each in the same manner as the last. So in just a span of, gosh, a few hours, he killed seven of his family members. So like I said, if if it was just that, he would just be considered a mass murderer, right? But it doesn't end there. (sighs) Yeah. Around the time of his children's deaths, Becky, the eight-year-old third grader, oh man, this is going to get me. The eight-year-old third grader had an assignment. Her teacher asked her to write an essay about parents and children. And she wrote, you have parents to watch over you so you can be safe. That was like one of the last things she ever wrote in class. After he strangled and drowned all of his younger children, four days passed before the rest of his family started to show up for their after Christmas festivities that they had planned. The first couple to arrive that day was his son, Billy, 23, and, his, and Billy's wife, Renata May, 21, along with their 20-month-old son, Trey, who is often also referred to as William III. The parents were both promptly shot upon entering the home. Afterward, Gene strangled his 20-month-old grandson, Trey, to death. He covered the parents' bodies with coats and blankets and put the baby's body in the trunk of a car. Lastly, Sheila and her happy family showed up. Sheila was 24, and her husband at this point was 33. The daughter who he had raped, abused, impregnated, and was quote-unquote in love with was shot and killed alongside her husband. Their two children, Sylvia Seven, remember that's Jean's daughter and granddaughter, and Michael, 21 months, were both murdered by strangulation. He put little Michael's body in the trunk of another car in the driveway. Gene laid the bodies of the whole family in neat rows in the living room. All the corpses were covered with coats except that of Sheila, who was laid out as if in a formal viewing state, covered by his wife's best tablecloth. The bodies of the two grandsons were wrapped in plastic sheeting and left in abandoned cars at the end of the lane. Gene soaked the bodies in kerosene. He said he believed that it would stop the smell coming out of the ground and prevent attracting animals and people. After murdering 14 of his relatives, Gene headed down to the local bar for a drink. He returned later that night to the giant indoor graveyard he had created. Gene then drove to Russellville to pick up some Christmas gifts he had ordered at Sears, but hadn't arrived in time. He then drove to a private club, then went home. Do you wonder about the Sears thing? Like, why would he go pick up gifts? (laughs) I, yeah. You know, none of this makes sense to me. No, I know, but it's just... Exactly, none of it makes sense, and so I... Maybe it's just him trying to establish some sense of normalcy because he sure as heck ignored the bodies that were strewn about his house. Uh, Yeah, I I can't. 
I mean, I've never heard of this guy, and I can't believe it. It's This is the most insane shit. So he goes home from the club, and he watches TV and drank beer for the rest of the weekend. So a few days later on Monday, December 28th, Gene drove his son's car back to Russellville, where he bought another new gun at Walmart. His first victim that day was Kathy Kendrick, a young woman who had turned him down and reported his pushy advances when they worked together at Woodline Motor Freight. He shot her at the Peel, Eddie, and Gibbons law firm, where she had found employment after leaving her job at Woodline. She died a few hours later. Next, Gene drove to Taylor Oil Company. He wanted to get even with Rusty Taylor, his former employer at the Sinclair Mini Mart. He shot Taylor, turned, and immediately shot J.D. Chaffin, the off-duty fireman who was also a part-time truck driver at the Taylor Oil Company. He was just there at the wrong time. He just walked in and got shot. His former boss survived the shooting, but the fireman, unfortunately, did not. Gene shot at and missed another employee before exiting the building. Gene then went to his former workplace, the Sinclair Mini Mart. There he shot and wounded Roberto Woolery and David Sawyer. Both survived. His shooting spree ended at the Woodline Motor Freight Company. Gene found his former supervisor, Joyce Butts, and shot her in the head and chest. He then took worker Vicki Jackson at gunpoint into the computer office and told her to call the police. Allegedly, Gene told her, quote, I just wanted to kill Joyce, just Joyce. And also, quote, I've come to do what I wanted to do. It's all over now. I've gotten everybody who wanted to hurt me. End quote. He surrendered to Russellville police when they arrived. After the police arrested Gene, he refused to speak. Sheriff James Bolin grabbed his coat and said, quote, that crazy son of a bitch may have killed his whole family up there. It took investigators and police a few days to find all the bodies. Some of the last to be found were the two babies in the trunks of those two cars wrapped in garbage bags. It was an unthinkable crime. Fourteen victims of his own family were strewn about the property inside and out. Gene was sent to Arkansas State Hospital in Little Rock, where he was deemed sane and able to stand trial. Ann Jansen was a news anchor for KTHV-TV in Little Rock around this time. She was one of the only people that Gene allowed to visit him, maybe because he was struck by what he thought was her resemblance to Sheila. Ugh, that's gross. He wrote to Ann Jansen, the reporter, on October 24th, which was Sheila's birthday. They agreed on a few in-person interviews. What a creep. Yeah. Yeah. Jansen asked him, Do you miss your family? He answered immediately, yes. Do you feel remorse? Yes, of course. She asked him if he ever thought about committing suicide. He answered that he would consider it, but was afraid that if he shot himself, something might go wrong, and he'd be left alive but incapacitated. He knew he had made a mistake using the twenty-two caliber gun. It was too small to do the job, which is why he shot some of the victims many times and why some, such as Rusty Taylor and Joyce Butts, lived. Jansen said Gene was... Bizarre. And... Extremely paranoid. He thought his cell was bugged. Jansen came out of the meetings feeling drained. It was like your brain ached, she said. Will you ever tell us why? 
Quote, I'm not going to comment on that. A family friend told investigators that Becky had been saving up money to divorce Jean when the killings happened. In a letter, Becky wrote to one of her sons shortly before the murders. She wrote, quote, I don't want to live the rest of my life with Dad. I'm a prisoner here, and the kids too. Every time I think of freedom, I want out as soon as possible. While going through Sheila and Dennis's belongings, the McNulty family found 20 90-minute audio tapes that Gene had sent to his daughter Sheila, the, quote, love of his life. On one of the tapes, Willie Nelson was singing, You Were Always on My Mind. Gene could be heard sobbing in the background. Ugh. So there's just literally tapes of him playing love songs for his daughter with him crying. That's, that's... It's so obscene. Yeah, like what the fuck? She kept this stuff. I'm not it's I'm not victim blaming at all or anything. She kept this stuff and he kept stuff too. Because again, like Gene never really gives an explanation. He goes fairly mute about the killings. Like he just won't talk about it, except for to that Ann Jansen lady, which is why I wanted to include that. That's like the only time he's willing to talk about it. But we're able to kind of piece together some of the family's life, some of what was going on, and some of what his kind of inner thoughts were about Sheila because of the few artifacts that are left behind in his safety deposit box as well as in some of Sheila's belongings. Investigators also found the letter he had written Sheila that told her he would see her in hell. When the prosecutor presented this letter in court, Gene punched him in the face and tried to get a deputy's handgun before being removed from the courtroom. Isn't that crazy? Yeah, that's... That happened. This guy's off the rails, man. Yeah. In his final trial hearing, Gene said, quote, In my particular case, anything short of death would be cruel and unusual punishment. I can't disagree with that. Yeah, I don't disagree with it either. Gene was convicted of 14 counts of capital murder, and he was sentenced to death a whole bunch of times. The first trial was for the two shooting deaths of the old co-workers, or the people that got in the way of him trying to kill co-workers, right? And he got the death sentence. He asked for it and got it. And then when he went on the second trial for the 14 of his family members, he got like 12 death sentences in 147 years or something. I didn't include all the details of the trial because a lot of it's unnecessary. Obviously, the significant thing was him trying to grab a deputy's gun and punching a prosecutor in the face, which, again, that's just fucking crazy. You gotta be pretty fast to pull all that off. I know. And he, at this point, is just a fat, wispy man. Gene refused to appeal his death sentence, infamously saying... To those who oppose the death penalty, in my particular case, anything short of death would be cruel and unusual punishment. He didn't offer up any explanation, nor did he seem the least bit remorseful. He added, it is further respectfully requested that this sentence be carried out expeditiously. During his three years, I made sure to do that word so that you didn't have to. I appreciate that. During his three years in prison, he had been kept in solitary confinement. Other inmates were threatening to kill him and messed with him. Not only were they angry about him being an incestuous rapist and baby killer, but they were also angry that he had refused to file an appeal of his sentence, feeling that it potentially damaged their own chances of winning their own appeals. 
On May 31, 1990, then-Governor of Arkansas, Bill Clinton, signed Ronald Gene Simmons' execution warrant. This was the quickest sentence to execution to death time in U.S. history since the death penalty was reinstated in 76. Simmons refused all visitors, including legal counsel and clergy. So again, I don't think he was a religious guy. We kind of, I, I referenced the Quiverful movement in the last one and him wanting to have a lot of kids, but I don't, I don't think it was for religious reasons. I don't think he was a religious man. Did Bill Clinton administer the shot himself? No, he did not. Okay. His last words were, justice delayed finally be done is justifiable homicide. For his last meal, he requested filet mignon, two raw onions, tomato slices, a banana, six rolls, and a 7-Up. Two raw onions. I know. It's a lot of vegetables and fruit. And a lot of carbohydrates, but whatever. The What's he doing with he- those onions? I don't know. Like eating them like apples? Because he's fucking weirdo? Probably. The hillbilly from hell chose lethal injection for himself as his method of execution. Quote, he was ready to die. He was at peace with it. He wanted it. End quote. Said John Harris, one of Gene's defense attorneys. Do they give you a menu? No, they just ask you what you want. Now they don't. Now it's just uh, they stopped doing it a couple years back, maybe even like five years back. It's fairly recent because... People got like obsessed with it and it was like this thing and they were asking for like ridiculous shit. I know the Gacy, the famous Gacy one was like, he, got, he, he ate like two buckets of chicken. Fried oh, you're chicken. talking about the last meal. Oh, yeah. What are you talking about? <laughs> what are you talking about? Uh, Lethal Jackson? Huh? What are you talking about? What am I talking about? I don't know. I forgot what I said. What did I say? I don't know. I thought you were talking about the meal. You're like, they don't do that anymore. Oh, lethal injection? Oh, no. I was saying no. <sighs> okay. No. Do they hand you a menu of how you want to die? Oh, I think at this point, I think the electric chair was still around. So maybe even firing squad was too. I think firing squad didn't go away until the mid to late 90s way longer than it feels i actually think firing squad is the most effective i don't know but it also man if it fucks with the people who do it and that's one of the reasons like when they did the firing squad thing they have several people do it and some of them have blanks and some of them have active bullets so that no one knows they could use took the deadly shot they could just use drones now they have yeah. they have robot dogs you can get torn apart by robot dogs. That'd be great. But yeah, so I firing squad I don't believe is an option anymore. Lethal injection is still an option. Gas chamber I don't think is an option anymore. I think that lethal injection might be one of the only things cuz I think they took the elect the electric chair. I think even Albert Fish may have had something to do with that. It just takes too long. Well, his he lit up like a Christmas tree cuz he had well, all the pins in his Well, that's one of the reasons wiener, right? they stopped. I think that he was one of the few prisoners who had some complications because of maybe metal in their body if you remember uh, why well, the metal was in his body what a legend hey. so <laughs> quote i think he felt like they are going to take him out he's going to take them out first end quote said harris of gene's abused family 
quote, I think that was his mindset. So end quote. Sorry to interrupt, but yeah, he's thinking that they're going to take him out. The attorney is saying, I think that Gene Simmons thought that the family was going to get rid of him. So but they wouldn't kill him. Get rid of him. Yeah. yeah. Like they would divorce him and shun him. And so he was like, well, I'll do it first, except for I'm going to take you guys out permanently. So it was him getting to his family before they could get to him, kind of. That's how, I mean, that's his own defense attorneys are like, that's what we think was going on. Because again, I think a lot of people were looking for an explanation because he didn't give one. And the defense attorneys probably knew him the best of anyone towards the end of his death. And that was the explanation they gave. Again, I think that most family annihilators probably have that mindset as well. Ronald Gene Simmons died on June 25th, 1990. No family members claimed his body. No shit. So Gene was buried in a pauper's plot at Lincoln Memorial Lawn in Varner, Arkansas, located southeast of Little Rock. In 1952, Varner had three residents. And in 1958, Varner had five residents, a crossroad, a gas station, and a store. By 1975, it seems that the census no longer counts Varner in it anymore. I don't believe there are any residents there at all. So it seems that Gene sort of got what he wanted in the end. And that's our story about Ronald Gene Simmons. Who got? I don't like how he got what he wanted in the end. I know. He just kept trying to move to smaller and smaller and smaller places so no one could be in his business. And it's kind of interesting because he's not really talked about a lot. And, you know, for well, good reason. Yeah, maybe he's it's not, good. Yeah, it's, I mean, maybe it is good. So it doesn't inspire more. Yeah, and it's not like... Um, losers. Yeah, it's not like how people go to like certain grave sites and, you know, do weird shit. <laughs> I think that people go to like Ed Gein's headstone and like kiss it or something. Or like ride I mean, scooters up and down the cemetery okay. in, in well, Australia looking well, for a alleged. certain... Well, that's alleged. Someone. That was Jack the Ripper. And he's not even, I don't even know if he's a real guy. So you can join our True Crime Dumpster Facebook group. You could try to follow us on Twitter. I don't know if we'll ever post anything on it. Uh, I believe our Twitter is TZ Dumpster. And on Instagram is True Crime Dumpster. I will update it tomorrow. You can email us at truecrimedumpster at gmail.com. But probably not. I don't, I don't like getting emails. Unless you have a request or something nice to say. Listen to our show on Apple Podcasts now because I got it reconnected. High five. Podbean, Stitcher, Spotify, maybe YouTube. I'm not sure. Some stuff changed in the last six months. We're too sketchy now. And uh, many other... Po- no, not sketchy. They, they all changed their rules to like posting stuff. And I had to like reapply to all these different podcast platforms. So I think we're back all... I think we're on all of them and we're pending Google Google uh, podcasts. I guess they take a couple weeks to get approved. Come on, Google. Yeah, come on, Google. Don't forget to rate, review, subscribe, and tell your friends about our podcast. Every review, rating, and referral helps us to get to a larger audience. Tune in next time as we continue... Talking out the trash? Bye. (laughs) 